0: Welcome to *Hence the Future* podcast. I'm Moore Cronin, and I'm Dave Kemp. And today we're discussing the future of hearing technology. Dave, thanks for coming on the pod.
1: Absolutely, man. No, I'm really, really pumped for this. Uh, been a little while since I've I've come across you. Um, I know that we met back when you were in this industry, um, supporting Sonic Cloud. So good to see you again. I'm really uh, looking forward to this conversation today.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, there's been so much going on in the hearing industry space, and I feel like you're really uniquely positioned where you can kind of see the whole landscape of the more traditional industry, some of the new technology that's coming. So I'm really curious to get your high level thoughts on where it's all heading and what the intermediary steps are to get us there. But before we go into what's gonna happen in the future, I think it'd be good just to talk about why do we even need hearing technology? How big of a problem is hearing loss? tinnitus, deafness in the US and around the world. And what originally got you inspired to work in this space?
1: Let me start with how I even got into this space. I I like to kind of joke that I'm genetically predisposed to this industry um, because my parents started a company when I was three which is where I work today, Oak Tree Products. I'm very, very passionate about what is the future of this industry look like? What is the future of this professional look like? And so when I started working at Oak Tree in 2016, full time, I was sort of tasked with find a way to create something unique that would be valuable to this professional. And my passion was always technology. And so I have a journalism background. And so I thought, okay, I need to figure out a way to like apply this. So I started my blog, which eventually evolved into a podcast. And the whole idea was with my blog and podcast, Future Ear, was basically to just provide some insight around you know this intersection of hearing technology, hearing health, um, you know, kind of this intersection of tech and hearing, hearing health. When you look at a lot of the sort of like the global statistics, like the World Health Organization recently issued a report that said that you know like a quarter of the global population uh, of the adult population they're projecting will have, uh, some level of hearing loss by, I think it's like 2050. Um, and, and obviously we're ramping up to that. You, you factor in noise induced hearing loss in the loud world that we live in and all the headphone usage that's been so prevalent from our generation and on. Um, and so what I think we're looking at is like, there's this, no pun intended, silent epidemic, because it's not talked a lot about a, a whole lot. A lot of people are suffering from it and it's invisible. Traditionally, we've just kind of fit a square peg in a round hole, which is the square peg is a hearing aid and the round hole is hearing loss. And so hearing aids have a lot of baggage associated with them historically, um, starting with the stigma that's associated with it. A lot of people still have that connotation of these beige bananas, right? These things that look like something that you know, a, a geriatric 90-year-old might wear. And so when you present it to somebody that's 60, that really does need something like that, um, they're, you know, they're basically allergic to this idea. You also factor in the, the price point. Um, they're, you know, basically a, a premium hearing aid will run you anywhere from four to $6,000 for a pair. And they're not widely covered by insurance. Um, they're considered a luxury good by uh, insurance companies. So there's, you know, you, you can basically like unpack this whole thing. And, and what it all boils down to is a lot of people have hearing loss And very few of them are actually really treating it. And what's really concerning is that now there's all kinds of research that's coming out from, say, Johns Hopkins around cognitive decline, social isolation, you know, just dementia, all of these different sort of cognitive problems that that you run into just become so much more pronounced and it's it's actually very intuitive I mean if you think about you know your mind is a muscle your brain is a muscle and so of course it's going to go into atrophy if you're not exercising it and you're not going to exercise it if you're constantly feeling disengaged in com- conversation because it's either exhausting or you know you're you're constantly challenging and straining yourself and and so all of these things mixed together, we need something new. We need an entirely new change. And what's been unbelievable for for me personally is like as as I started the podcast and the blog, it's as if sort of like the um, somebody poured gasoline on these trends that are really really accelerating. That ultimately, I think, represent sort of like the solution, and it's a multi it's a, it's a multifaceted solution that we can totally really break down. But what's exciting is that it's something that's being attacked on multiple fronts. And I think that the really uh, exciting thing is it's going to be, I, I think we're moving toward a future where, you know, you're just going to kind of see like a lot of the previous hindrances to um, hearing loss solution adoption are going to be like systematically broken down in a lot of different ways. And I think it's it's going to be really exciting to watch.
0: Totally. Yeah, it really is one of the biggest unsolved problems, I think, of our era. You know, we don't really have the same difficulty with fixing vision or other sort of senses. And like you said, it is the most prevalent issue with people's sensory perceptions. And it's so important to your sense of time, your ability to connect. I mean, when I think about how many podcasts and audiobooks I listen to and what my brain would be like without that stimulation, you know, the decline is definitely a big issue as well. And it does seem like I I definitely feel the same way as you do, where it felt like there wasn't a lot of progress for a very long time. And now it's really speeding up. And, you know, so much of it also has to do with age. Like you said, pretty much everyone is going to get hearing loss once they get to a certain age. One in eight people over 12 has hearing loss. Mm -hmm. One in four people age 65 to 74 has disabling hearing loss. And then one in two people over the age of 75 have dis- disabling hearing loss. And I've, I saw this really great uh, essay where they used aging as like a dragon metaphor, where it's <laughs> like, imagine if there's this dragon that is tormenting this town and it, it picks off all the weak older people. Sometimes it'll take a young person, but normally it's the older weak people. And it's so bad that no one makes it past, you know, 100 years or 120. And you'd think that this whole civilization would be focused on slaying the dragon, but yet there's like very few people who actually try to tackle the problem of aging or age-related issues like hearing loss. The big question I had when I first got into this industry, when I was working with Cloud, was, is there a cure? And the answer is no. And then the next question is, why isn't there a cure? Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't there, you know, why can't you do LASIK on your ears? And, uh, maybe you can say a little bit about like the, just the difficulties of your follicles dying and, and what, like every kid should know that, Hey, you only get one set of follicles. Like you really got to take care of it.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. I want to say a couple things, uh, as like kind of tacking onto what you just said there. So first of all, I I just want to reiterate this whole thing around, you know, Glasses aren't stigmatized, right? And it, maybe they were back in the day when it was like, you know, there was the stigma of being called four eyes or something like that. But by and large today, there's no stigma associated with it. And so people walk around with glasses on and no one bats an eye. And I constantly think about like, why why is that not the same with this? And will it get to that point? And honestly, I think it will. And, and the big reason I think that it will is because of uh, like uh, – I think AirPods, AirPods are the big reason <laughs> why. I mean, they're they're the thing that like they're the catalyst that kind of launched this whole thing in terms of the sheer proliferation of these like this notion of people wearing things in and around their ears. And the byproduct of that is really it's not necessarily to say that like like AirPods are the dominant form factor and type of device, but walk into I just, you know, recently was flying and and airports are back. Um and so I was flying and and it's just a fun little exercise to do, just like walk around and look at what people are wearing in their ears. And it's just a multitude of different kinds of buds. And so where I think that is going is like this idea where um, you know, I, I hope that we're getting toward a point where it's gonna be really, really hard to even know why somebody's wearing something in their ear. In the same way that it's hard to even really differentiate now to say like is that person wearing glasses like prescription glasses or are they wearing designer glasses and so i think that's a big case for optimism um, because i don't think it can be overstated how big of a problem The stigma of wearing things and the notion that people feel uncomfortable and old, it just has so, like I said, so much baggage with it. And I do think that's getting broken down.
0: Well, I've even noticed like at concerts, wearing earplugs has been destigmatized because of AirPods. Totally.
1: And uh, that's another great thing. So like hearing conservation is, I think, going to be a big, big thing because um, as you mentioned, you know, who knows? I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts around mRNA and stem cell research. And and so, I mean, who am I to say, I, I don't have a degree in biotech or anything like that. I think there are probably things on the horizon where you, you maybe you could treat this from a truly, you know, like a at the genetic level um, and, and you could maybe reverse it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you have, you know, these little, you know, hair cells, basically, these little nerves in your ears. And when they get exposed, over prolonged periods of time to loud noises, or it's a symptom again of aging. You just, they mm-hmm. sort of just deteriorate. Um, you know, you're left with with hearing loss. And the, and the thing with hearing loss is that you don't really, it's so gradual, it's so progressive that you don't really realize what's happening. And so it's not like, you know, some people have sudden hearing loss where it's like they wake up the next day and they can't hear. That's different. Most mm-hmm. people have progressive hearing loss where it takes... It's like, why don't they make movies like
0: they used to? Or why does everyone (laughs) mumble nowadays?
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, so you have, you have this, you know, this thing that's sort of this like slow drip. And I think that, you know, it starts with like, you're turning the TV up and then it's like, you're having to ask what, you know, every other question is what. And so, Uh, a lot of the time it's usually the spouse that's the one or the children of the, of the patient that's driving them toward the clinic. They're saying you can't hear anymore, you know? And so um, that's, it's, it's a big part of the problem, but you know, to your point, like there isn't a cure on the horizon. And so we're all sort of in the same boat where, You need to preserve what you have. And I think that this is going to be something that Apple actually has a humongous opportunity to, to make a very positive impact. You're actually already seeing it with the Apple watch. They put a, uh, a sound level meter in there. And so that's the start, you know? So basically you walk into an area where you're in, you know, decibels of 90 to 110 um, you know, it's going to actually alert you. And so, making people aware is the first part of the battle. Like I was at the dentist not long ago and the drill was like, I looked at my watch and I'm like, you, the dentist need to be wearing ear protection. This is not safe. I didn't say that, but I was thinking that in my head. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of these kinds of things that are, I think going to happen over the next few years where you can't discredit how important it is to just make the general public more aware of these kinds of things, and it will take companies the size of Apple with their with their sort of cultural influence, whether it be with AirPods or the Apple Watch, and layering features and making people aware that these things exist. Um, that will, I think, create probably one of the most impactful changes by and large, just because of the sheer footprint that they have.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, let's talk about what Apple's solution is and how close it gets to what the ultimate solution that we'd like to have would be. And I've heard like a useful way of thinking about the hair follicles where think about it as like blades of grass. Mm -hmm. And when you pummel it with loud, you know, techno music or whatever, (laughs) whatever loud music, it like basically your blades of grass get like uh, pushed down. And so that's why after a concert, it'll sound like everything's muffled because all your follicles have been pushed down. And if it gets so extreme, some of them will be so damaged, they'll actually die. And then, you know, through the process of aging, they naturally kind of decay and decline. And I'd like to get your thoughts on these products, whether it's a hearing aid or it's your AirPods or it's like Mm durables, what they're actually doing isn't fixing your hearing as much as it is modifying the waveform to play to your strengths Mm -hmm. and maybe boosting certain frequencies. Um, But there's no way, like, short of, like you said, like, you know, cellular therapy, or, you know, we could talk about Neuralink eventually, like short right. of that, pretty much all you can do today is play to your strengths of the follicles you have left.
1: Yeah, no, I love that blades of grass analogy. That's brilliant. And I think that you're right. Like, the the fact of the matter is, is that um, hearing loss isn't just like like hearing augmentation it's not like you're just turning up a dial it's way more complicated than that actually a really good analogy to think it through is it's a lot more like a fingerprint it's a lot more like it's mm. very very unique to you um uh you know i think sonic cloud might have actually even had like um they called it like the hearing, fingerprint. hearing fingerprint yeah exactly yeah. so um you know, this idea where you, you know, I think that's a big part of this is like what's coming is this idea of, you know, basically having these apps where you'll, you know, so whether it be with AirPods or really any one of these devices and some of these devices are, they're like basically um, true wireless headphones that are built specifically to cater to like these, what are defined as more mild to moderate hearing losses. And the idea is, as you sort of progress into higher levels of severity, you start to warrant like a true medical grade device and that's a hearing aid. And so the way I've always thought about hearing aids is hearing aids cater to, if you think of hearing loss as a pyramid, um, hearing aids cater to, think of it as a four layer pyramid. And so you have at the top, you have, you know, severe hearing loss and then you have below that, you know, basically profound, and then you have moderate, and then you have mild. And, and, you know, so obviously mild at the bottom is it's the most pervasive, but it's also the least debilitating. And so hearing aids have never really catered to that. And, you know, rightfully so, because if you, if you have something that's, um, what I think of as like a $300 problem, you're not going to solve it with a $3,000 solution that sort of also assumes all this baggage. Like a young guy like myself walking around with hearing aids that doesn't, that I don't need those hearing aids, um, probably the vast majority of people when given that option, they're not going to opt for it. They're going to opt for something that's a lot more watered down, more situational. And that's what's happening is that what we're actually finally seeing is solutions that are actually catered to these mild ends of the spectrum and the moderate ends of the spectrum. And it's like, well, why does that matter? It matters because again, this is progressive, right? So it it gets more and more progressive over time. And so the whole idea is you know, without treating that in any way, without augmenting it, you're, you're taxing your brain in such a way that you're basically fatiguing, you know, all of the other elements of, of your, of your life. So, you know, just progressively over time, it becomes a worse and worse problem. And so the earlier that you actually start to augment it in certain ways, so usually the challenging situations. So like, uh, I, you know, like, let's say that, Uh, The first thing that really starts to be challenging for me is the dinner table, right? A big, loud dinner table where I'm starting to struggle being able to hear the people that are sitting even in close proximity to me, let alone the person on the other side of the table. And so I, you know, it's exhausting. It's literally like it just becomes more and more exhausting. So what's the solution for that? Well, it might actually be like AirPods combined with your phone. Could be something where your phone's basically a table mic, and it's it's just uh, basically feeding that sound to you. So there's a lot of really creative things that are being built. Um, one of the most interesting things that came about in the last uh, year with with Apple was that they opened up the APIs into the AirPods, and so you can now actually access the gyroscope and the accelerometer in there. So the big thing that you can do there is head orientation. I've seen, there's a company called Noople, um, where it's basically a little dongle that you plug into the charging port. And that's basically a hub that is processing the sound. And your AirPods with this new, they're basically utilizing the API so that wherever I'm pointing my head, it's a directional microphone. So if I'm looking at you, it's going to amplify the sound that's coming directly from you. And then through the processor, it's actually going to mute the other sound around me. So it's going to just basically present me with something that's much more around the dollar range of a few hundred dollars. And, and so there's lots of things like this. Like there's, that's what's so exciting is that like the big thing that I always point out about AirPods is, you know, First of all, it does a lot for the cultural behavior shift, which is so important. I can't overstate how important that is, that from 2017 and onward, the fact that you now have this norm where people walk around with things like AirPods, hate it or love it, from a hearing loss standpoint, it's actually great because it's really starting to reduce the stigma in many ways. Again, because it goes back to this point of, why are you wearing those things in your ears? And at a certain point, people are going to stop caring. But the other big thing that that does is it pre- it presents a giant user base that you can then build for. And whether it be social audio, like when the Clubhouse founders, Paul Davidson, was being interviewed, he said point blank, why, like, why now? What, what was the motivation for this? And he's like, we were looking at AirPods and the fact that everybody's walking around with these things and we wanted to build an app that was specifically catered to that so that wouldn't be built probably without airpods social audio probably would be ushered in at some point but not at this point
0: yeah it seems like apple also has a huge advantage because so many people use airpods and because i know for myself like connecting any apple device to my phone is way easier than connecting a non-apple device to my phone yeah so do you think that the advantage that apple has in that regard is is insurmountable for third-party players or do you think there's a chance for those, those types of like third-party players too?
1: So I have, uh, my, my, my thesis is basically that Apple is, they're always going to, you know, um, prefer you to be as deeply entrenched into their, you know, their ecosystem as possible. They want you to own a Mac. They want you to own an iPhone. They want you to own all the peripheral devices, the watch, the AirPods, all that. But, Obviously, there's a sizable portion of the market, a very sizable portion that's Android. And like Beats uh, Beats Studio, which just came out, these are really interesting. They don't have the H1 chip. They don't have the W1 chip in there, um, which is like kind of shocking. But the reason, if you think about this, maybe the whole point is these are Apple's AirPod, or I'm sorry, Android AirPods, you know? And so because they're omitting that chip, they're actually sort of, taking away one of their advantages by making it just as seamless to pair with uh, an Android phone as it is with with the app. Right. And Apple. they're
0: under a lot of antitrust pressure exactly. right exactly. now. So they're probably
1: But no, that's a that's a big part of that. So so uh to your point, Apple has some major advantages from an ecosystem standpoint and they probably will need to do some things in order to make sure that they don't get the giant antitrust breakup um, thats that seems to be gaining more and more steam around all big tech right now. But where I really see Apple playing in the future is not necessarily, I think devices are very, very important, but I think their bigger ambition is to, like the reason they're emphasizing security and um, privacy so much, in my opinion, uh, grand thesis here is you take that, and you combine it with what Tim Cook said before about, you know, he was interviewed by Jim Cramer on CNBC and, and Jim Cramer's like, what's Apple going to look like in 10 years from now? You know, and, and uh, Tim Cook said, well, I think that the greatest contribution to Apple or uh, uh, Apple will have on humankind will be around health. Okay. So you take health, you take all of the privacy security stuff and you sort of start to put this together, and what I think they're really building toward is being the data repository, the hub for all of the data. And I think this will. This is the big reason why I think Apple is another another big reason I think it's so in, in, uh, important for a company. I mean, uh, an industry like mine to really keep an eye on what Apple's doing, because I look at hearing aids as being the quintessential third-party device that will be a sensor, basically. It'll be a data sensor that's very robust. It will have lots of different types of data that it can capture. We're already seeing this sort of start to take shape. And I think that over the next five years or so, this will continue to become more and more pronounced where if I'm wearing a pair of hearing aids, these made for iPhone hearing aids that can Bluetooth into them, and they're laden with all these sensors, where does that data go that's being captured? It probably will start by going into the app of the device, right? So the Starkey app or the Sonic Cloud app, whatever app it is. But then in time, that data is going to make more and more sense to sit alongside all the other health data that you're capturing in Apple's health repository, whether it be your broad e, you know, electronic health records, it be all of the Apple Watch data that you've been gathering over the years. I mean, the list goes on and on so that at a certain point, the big value proposition that they have is we are secure and we are this place where your data can then reside and you can share it securely from iOS to iOS. So you I really think like their big play in the medical sector is going to be basically the middleware, the API that will basically be able to uh, communicate the patient's data with the doctor. And I think that's going to be probably the most significant thing to to really impact the broad based medical community too, because you're going to see, there's nothing like this that exists. Like there's no app on my phone that has all of my Epic, you know, data or my Cerner data, you know, it's like, it's so fragmented. And so I saw there was a wall street journal report just the other day that was talking about, you know, basically like what, what's Apple's health ambitions. And, and I guess there was a project Casper that existed at one time where, Apple was considering opening their own primary care facilities, and and it's looking like that's just not going to happen. But it sort of begs the question: like, what is the health play? And and that's where I think, you know, going full circle to your question: like, are there are the third parties viable? Absolutely, I think that Aura Ring is a great example. Aura Ring now feeds all into Apple health. So if you have an aura ring, it feeds into the aura app. So you can go in there and it's probably got an even more robust readout, but the sleep data and the vast majority of the heart rate variability data and all that it's all captured in Apple health and it sits right there. And so follow that trajectory out as we wear more body worn computers. That's the killer use case for the vast majority of watches and, you know, wristbands and all these different kind of like body worn things. Ears are different because you have the audio element, but a lot of what this is, is data capture. And then it's going to be a matter of how do you make sense of that data and how do you actually make that data actionable? And that's where I think Apple is like so uniquely positioned and why they're doubling down so hard on privacy, because this is the most sensitive type of data. So you're going to need to have extremely sensitive measures put in place to put people at ease, to feel like this is all secure.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's like medical data and financial data are probably the two most types of data you want to protect. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw, but Apple also posted a job looking for a blockchain expert. So it's exactly. going to be like basically Apple's going to be your guardian of all your important data and your secure portal to the rest of the Centralized and decentralized web, exactly. And so it's it's a great position. But well, yeah, like you said, third parties still have potential viability if the tech is good and if it you know and, serves and, people. And,
1: and and here's a question I get a lot: Is is Apple going to just make a hearing aid? And um, the fact of the matter is, is they'll they'll probably get right to the doorstep. But I don't think they have any desire to do that because, first of all, in order to do that, it would it would mean that they would need to create a grade one medical device, which is, Mm -hmm. it puts them under so much more scrutiny. And, and so I just don't think that they're going to do that, but what they will do is they're going to continue to build a platform. And I think this new is the perfect Mm -hmm. example of that, where they're basically giving you the ability to turn AirPods into hearing aids in some fashion. Um, I don't, again, I, I, I'm not trying to, well, let me ask you
0: this. Why, why are hearing aids, better for people with severe hearing loss than AirPods? Because for a long time I heard that it's because AirPods aren't hermetically sealed, but now with AirPods Pro, they are hermetically sealed. So what is what is the secret sauce that hearing aids have that AirPods Pros do not? Well,
1: so in, in hearing aids defense, they are um, I think probably one of the most sophisticated types of wearables out there because they're operating off of ASIC chips. That's part of the reason why they're so expensive, whereas AirPods and all the other her- curables are DSP-based chips. And with the ASICs, meaning that, you know, they're basically programmed uh, at the chip level, um, whereas the DSPs are, are much more flexible. You can reprogram them in many different ways. And so that's, that's historically been it because the, one of the big affordances that the ASIC gives you is the big battery life. And so that's why you have AirPods that last five hours and you have hearing aids that can last for, you know, 15 to 20 hours, um, on, you know, basically either even, even rechargeable ones can, and then with the button cells, um, you know, it's, it's, it's even longer than that. So that's one of the big reasons. But the other reason is that just the sheer ability to um, the, the, all of the different processing that goes into it um, and, and the detail that it can, the granularity that it can. So I think that from just an engineering standpoint, hearing aids, and, and a lot of that again is because they are medical grade devices. So they can go to certain thresholds that, non-medical grade di- devices can't. So there's, there's actual red tape that, uh, that mm-hmm. Apple can't really cross in, in some regard. And, and again, this goes back to what I was saying with that pyramid where hearing aids probably are, they're, they're the right thing for the, the, the two top tiers of the pyramid, the people that really have trouble, the people that have these 3000 to $5,000 problems, they warrant that as a solution. And, and that's where the majority of people that wear hearing aids today, they fit into those categories. But that's the challenge has always been like, okay, so for those bottom two tiers, it's still really important to treat it in some fashion because it will preserve it for a much longer period of time, whether it's through hearing conservation Or it's through just the the preservation and the augmentation of that so you're not further straining it it's it's like think of it that way it's like you're just putting more tax onto it um and so i think that that's that's one big reason why these two things are always going to be kind of bifurcated i think is that you know it's a lot of it boils down to the fact that airpods just will not be able to go to those limits However, I think that for the vast majority of people, they won't need it to. And so that's going to beg the question of like, what kind of device would you want to wear? And and this is, I think, the really interesting thing to think about now. And the exciting thing is like, you know, so you have companies like Nuhera out there that have the IQ buds, like really, really cool buds that um, have great sound quality. The music sounds really, really good with them. So when you're actually doing an apples to apples comparison, it's, it's hard to actually say like, you know if i have some hearing loss this is probably the right thing for me so why would i choose Air, uh, airpods over that and there are reasons that you would whether it be that you just think they're cooler more culturally hip whatever that might be you like the apple first party integration you know a lot of these things are based around certain features because a lot of what's happening is the standardization a lot of a lot of things that are that were sort of unique features even a couple years ago, are now becoming quickly standardized. Active mm-hmm. noise cancellation being the perfect example. And the reason that's that's becoming standardized is because of the fact that nearly all of the devices, nearly all of the different curables out there run on Qualcomm's chips. And what did Qualcomm do? They baked in active noise cancellation as basically a feature that any OEM can just now turn on and, and make it available for um, these devices. And so the next one that's coming there was a, there's a company called Jacodi, kind of like a Sonic cloud um, where it's, it started as an app and they basically, it's a very similar, you know, it gives you a hearing profile. um, And you know, what they did is they partnered with Qualcomm and what they're going to do now is they're going to license what's called OTC ready. So OTC hearing aids, OTC ready. Um, It's functionality that as a OEM that's using that, Qualcomm QC55100 chip, um, it's going to be a feature that's available to you to, to basically embed. And this is what I mean by the standardization of a lot of features. So, this is the rising tide that's lifting all ships is that the $100 pair of air, uh, just like random earbuds that you wear. Um, are getting so much better and they're going to just continue to become laden with more and more features as those features become more widely available at the like chipset level.
0: And there are are some limitations of what you can do with wearables and software. Mm -hmm. Like you brought up that you can directionally, like if my head is pointed this way versus if my head is pointed to the right or to the left, I can amplify sound based on that. But for instance, sometimes you'll be sitting in a restaurant and you'll be just wanting to listen in to maybe someone behind you or someone from across the room says something or says your name, and so you wanna focus your attention on them. And it seems like that's the kind of thing that you really would need some read-write access to the brain in order to be able to do that. So I'm really curious to get your thoughts on Neuralink. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention a couple of tweets from Elon, and then I wanna get your reaction to them. Okay. So the first one is someone said, someone asked, can Neuralink help people with hearing disabilities or people who are deaf? And Elon said, yes, could also extend the range of human hearing beyond normal frequencies and amplitudes. (laughs) And then the second tweet was, someone said, if we implant Neuralink, can we listen to music directly from our chips? Great feature. And Elon just (laughs) says, yes. So I'm curious, like your thought of this future of, Basically, all of our sensory perceptions coalesce in the brain. So, if you have read write access to the brain, any type of sense or stimulation you could essentially create uh, through those neural stimulations. So, I'm curious, like, how, as someone who's in the hearing industry, do you feel skeptical about this? Do you feel like it's really far off? Do you feel like, hey, during our lifetime, we may actually solve this?
1: Well, all right. Let me just say this: I think it's ridiculous to to doubt anything. Like I, I think it's ridiculous to just pour cold water on on what he says, um, because your knee jerk reaction is such. Let's keep in mind, wasn't it, it was ten fifteen years ago that it was deemed impossible by every expert out there in space, you know, basically rockets and everything that said. Reusable rockets are not on the horizon. And and lo and behold, we now have that gif of two of his rockets coming down and landing in sync. So like I just find this a little bit almost irritating that people I don't want to say that like you can't be skeptical of what he says because he is a little bit outlandish and ridiculous on Twitter. However,
0: well, I heard heard one person saying that betting against Elon is like betting against humanity.
1: It's, I mean, like what what has he done that isn't um, that he hasn't really followed through on? You know, okay, so people might say, well, with Tesla, um, where are the where's the you know full autonomy that you promised? Now, granted, I understand that like a lot of what he says, like he has these extremely aggressive timelines. But wasn't that what people admired so much about Steve Jobs? Was that he would push his teams in just these massively dramatic fashions that maybe they were unrealistic, but he would accelerate timelines tenfold? That's exactly what Musk is doing, you know, whether it be with everything that Tesla's doing from just a sheer manufacturing standpoint. It wasn't long ago that the company's going to go under and all of the was the most heavily shorted stock on the market, and then you know you look at it today, and it's like he's got he's got all these factories that are up and running. He's building the machine that will build the machine. SpaceX is like basically monopolizing spacefare. You know, the, every single day you see another rocket of his go up and land, launching another you know constellation of Starlink uh, satellites. So, point is, is like I don't think that he's like somebody that we should just all you know, just take it at face value, every single thing that he says, like, sure, you can be skeptical. But I I think it's equally ridiculous to just like dismiss these things, like as if there's no possible way that we'll have that. For all we know, like, I think that everything that he's saying with regard to Neuralink is probably very feasible from an engineering standpoint, the biggest thing that's going to happen, and it's probably going to happen with Tesla, too, with with autonomous vehicles, when it really does become realized, is going to be regulators. It's going to be people that are stepping in where they're saying, whoa, holy shit, um, this is going to unemploy a lot of people really quickly, and so we need to pump the brakes. And I think that Neuralink's very similar, where it's going to freak people out, basically, where they're going to say, whoa, we need to put in some limitations as to what this looks like. So what you'll probably see with regard to Neuralink will be, Um, obviously he's already mentioned that like the main target candidates for it initially will be paraplegics, people that really, really need something like this. And like, I could totally see it cascading Mm -hmm. to deaf individuals. Your sense of hearing is, is very much, um, your brain, right? Like your ears are really just a window to your Mm -hmm. brain. Um, and, and so much of what's happening, like there's a lot of really interesting things going on around neuroplasticity and like neuroscience as that sort of starts to kind of uh, enter into the world of audiology and hearing healthcare there's just lots and lots of new things that are kind of going on like you mentioned tinnitus earlier on um tinnitus has never really had a really solid solution it's looking like now the field of neuroscience might have figured it out Dr. David Eagleman uh, at Stanford um he, he you know if you don't know who he is google him he's a really really fascinating dude Um, And, and he's basically um, looking into this whole notion of bimodal stimulation, which is it it retrains your brain to realize that tinnitus is mostly a phantom of the brain. It's, it's not real sound. So the way that you can maybe train that out of somebody is to give them a wearable. So he's got this thing called the buzz. It's like the, this, basically this wrist warm wearable. And you do this tinnitus therapy where you're hearing sounds. And then some of those sounds are actually sounds, um, that, that that are being emitted so that the, uh, wrist wearable, which is laden with all these microphones, it catches it and it vibrates. And so basically it's training you that, This is what a sound feels like, you know, and so when you're going through tinnitus and you're having a really bad bout of it, um, it, it provides you with this ability to kind of be able to start to really decipher that wasn't a sound. This isn't something that I'm actually hearing because if it was the wrist wearable would be able to detect it. So it sounds simplistic, but these are the kinds of things that are going on right now where I think they're just really, really fascinating as you're seeing this cross-pollination between different fields of science and fields of study. And so if if Neuralink comes along and it's something where it can, it, it can, gives, it can restore somebody that was born deaf with the sense of sound, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you were talking about that Tinnitus app, it almost made me think of like an Inception yes. where they have that coin that they spin yeah. to see if they're like in the real world or the open. dream world. It's like... Something like that can be so powerful, just like reality check. Like, all right, am I actually hearing this ringing or is it in my head? And then, yeah, with Neuralink, I mean, they've already done the mice trials. They did the primate trials. And Elon recently said that 2021, they're going to start the human trials. I mean, ultimately, it would be so cool if we could regenerate it. Like birds have the ability to regenerate Mm -hmm. their Hair follicles.
1: I think that's probably the more likely, because um, I think people will be broadly on board with that. I think that. Um,
0: yeah, the robot solution isn't as popular yeah, as the it's biological just, it's solution.
1: Exactly. I think, and and I think there's probably a lot. Like as I've been learning more and more about, I mean. The silver lining from in my opinion of the pandemic is these mRNA vaccines cuz I know they've existed before. Oh yeah. But they're it's incredible, man. It really is. It's so cool what they're now able to do like everything that they're now looking at doing with malaria and this is just going to continue to to cascade into more and more things and so um you know I, I just think that like as shitty of a year as 2020 was um one exciting aspect to it, I guess, if you will, is that I think we really might have a significant breakthrough that's sort of underway right now as it relates to medicine and, and just the way in which you can, I mean, the ability to program your cells and your genes is fascinating. I mean, it's that's going to present a huge ethical debate, too. I mean, the 2020s are going to be wild, they're gonna be a trip, because we really are, we're getting more and more toward this ability to play God.
0: Yeah, so in addition to the robot solution, which (laughs) would be something like Neuralink, and the targeted solution, which would be something like stem cell therapy directly for the inner ear, there's also broader aging related solutions where if you have age related hearing loss, having a healthier lifestyle will actually help your reduction in hearing over time. So good exercise, good diet, fasting, uh, good sleep. Those are all really helpful. But David Sinclair also mentioned that you can take certain treatments like resveratrol, like NMN, and that reduces the effects of aging or it at least slows it down. And that would also reduce the effects of hearing loss. So I'm curious to get your thoughts just on anti-aging in general. And every time I think about like one specific disease or disability, it's like, wait a minute, why not just you know, try to cure aging and then that takes care of all the other conditions. Well,
1: seriously. I mean, that's what we've been talking about is that again, it, you have to like, look at it as it's, it's something like hearing loss is obviously very multidimensional. It's some people are born with it. You know, some people it's uh sudden hearing loss like Larry Guterman I think actually had um, sudden hearing loss. Mm-hmm. And then you have the majority of people, they have this progressive hearing loss and like we've talked about, like a lot of it is age related and, uh, no, I David Sinclair is fascinating. I, I just listened to him on that, uh, Lex Friedman podcast. And, you know, I think that this whole idea of like treating, like really looking at aging as a disease is so fascinating. You know, you look at the building blocks, whether it be Neuralink or you look at, you know, everything that David Sinclair is talking about from a lot of these different sort of like, uh, at the, genetic level and, and the, you know, basically the way in which your genes and your DNA um, just over time, they, they kind of decay. So if you can find ways to solve that, it seems like one of the big byproducts of that would be something like hearing loss, you know, an age-related hearing loss. So I'm very much of the mind that we're going to see lots and lots of innovation here. You know, just, again, it goes back to this notion of that's in the same way that like Look at the past 50 years, 70 years of when we were able to program computers, you know, and all of the byproducts that came from that. Really, in many ways, we're now going to see the same thing, but it's programming life. What we think of now as being just kind of almost scary in terms of how different and starkly different it's going to be. I would imagine that a lot of our successors, a lot of the people that live after us will look back and say, like, in many ways, you know, there were things that were rather primitive. And and who knows, like, it could be that the notion of living with something like, you know, age-related hearing loss is so antiquated because they have, you know, in the same way that like, like being housed in an iron lung because you had polio, you know, well, then we developed vaccines and now we've developed mRNA vaccines so it's like you know that like it's just it seems like it's just not going to stop there's just going to be more and more progress that's been that's going to be made on like our ability to to do whatever we want as it relates to like engineering the types of things that we need to do to preserve our our well-being for
0: into old age totally yeah, I share your optimism. It's such an exciting time to be alive.
1: <laughs> I think so. I always think
0: like the best argument for the simulation hypothesis is just that we happen to be born during like the most interesting decade of like progression. Seriously. Um, not that I actually believe in it, but it is a little <laughs> well it, it is a curious fact.
1: It it's it is something though, like um where, you know, I, I don't think that it gets talked about enough today where you know and it's so much like if it bleeds it leads and and that's so pronounced on the internet now with the outrage cycle that it is but you know when you really think about it we just experienced a global pandemic um that we basically found the solution in less than a year uh that's unbelievable you know the the 1919 pandemic it just had to run its course and it was way deadlier and so I just think of this as like, it is, it's the best time to be alive. And you look at, you know, like our world and data, they have all kinds of different statistics that show like when you really zoom out, you look at kind of the big picture of what's going on. Life expectancy just continues to go up and to the right. Um, You know, basically like child mortality rates are like just dramatically higher than it was. I mean, I just think we're, we, we live in the moment so much that we don't appreciate the fact that like, you watch movies and you read books of how hard life was a century ago, two centuries ago. I mean, we're so spoiled in that regard. And I get that there's still a lot to be upset about and, and be, you know, like frustrated by the, the perceived lack of progress around certain things. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to paint some utopian picture, but at the same time, like take a step back and, and and look at what's really kind of the state of the world. Like we're, very, very fortunate. Maybe I've just been listening to too yeah. much, uh, hardcore history lately. And I'm like <laughs> listening to Dan Carlin talk about how just unbelievably brutal world war II was, but really seriously, it's like, you know, those were people that were our age basically, and they had to go and suffer through war and then live with that for the rest of their life. Like by and large, that doesn't really exist these days, at least right now it doesn't. So we are the most in so many ways we're the like luckiest generation to ever live
0: totally yeah it's always good to zoom out and have perspective there i agree well i think that's a good jumping off point to get into the future scenarios okay so let's start with the worst case scenario worst case scenario So I'd like to get your thoughts on. I know you're not a pessimistic person, <laughs> but what are the main challenges to hearing technology over the next five to ten years? The biggest challenge is going
1: to be that people just are apathetic to these new solutions. That would be probably the biggest crush for me personally. Is like somebody that's been following this and has been like the hype on the on the hype wagon of like this is big, this is big, here we go, this. Is all building toward a future where people are actually excited about not only excited but a, aware that this problem exists. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing that you know, just um, a, an overall sense of apathy toward this and just to continue sort of like, eh. and then because the problem is that, and and my, my optimism continues to come through, but um, the. <laughs> you know, because what I was going to say is like the baby boomer generation here is about to really experience this. Um, And that generation is going to be really interesting because again, it's a generational thing. So, you know, their parents, they didn't really want to wear hearing aids. They very begrudgingly did. And that's why you saw such low adoption rates. So now it's going to be really interesting to see, okay, so we have this next wave. Um, What is their level of appetite going to be like for combating this. And when you present them with these new solutions, um, that's what's going to be really interesting to see is like, will there be a sizable uptick in the overall adoption of the people that need it? And if there is, I think that's going to be really optimistic. But if it's not, then we're in trouble because you know then we really might need something like a genetic therapy you know we ne- might need gene therapy uh because i i just don't know if people are going to really have any desire to wear something to augment their sense of sound
0: totally and as far as the industry goes do you think there's going to be a big risk for people who are let's say audiologists over the coming years like do mm. you think most people will kind of just do like a you know online test or something like that, or maybe at the high ends, there will always be some desire for like boutique audiology, but most people won't. What are your thoughts on the industry side of it? So
1: I am, uh, I am the most optimistic person when it comes to the profession, because I think that my whole like mindset and thesis is that we're about to see a market 10 X um, we're going to see a market 10 X. And what I mean by that is you're just going to have so many more people that are aware that are conscious of the fact that they have some sort of loss and you're going to have a ton of online hearing tests. You're going to have a lot of do it yourself things. You're going to have a lot of things that don't involve a professional at all, but you're going to have, uh, I don't think there's really much of a risk yet for the existing patients. So the like current state of the business, I don't really see as being in jeopardy um, because their expertise is very, very warranted and and needed. I mean, I think that so much of what they do is, is guidance and rehabilitation. Mm. You know, again, it's not as if you go and you get fit with these things and it's like, wipe my hands. I'm done. See you later. Most of what it is, is it's, you're my patient for life and I'm Mm -hmm. your kind of coach. You know, I'm going to help to make sure that we preserve this, what you still have. We're going to make sure that I give you all kinds of different strategies, coping strategies, different things. You know, when you go into a restaurant, you want to ask for the you know, the booth in the back that's, you know, where your back is facing it. So they, so it's like little strategies like that. And that's just one really, really small specific thing, yeah. but, but there's lots of things like that. And so in a, an expanding market, I really think that the professional will be in high demand because I think you're going to have a lot of people that want that. They're going to opt for it in the same way that you see it with whether it be, I want to just like get fit and I'm going to just go and I'm going to start running and like maybe I download the Nike Run app and and other people though are like, I want to go get a trainer. I want to go join a gym. You know? Right. So there's there's an element to that I think that's going to be very um sort of like it translates to this profession very much so. And a lot of what I was saying earlier around this whole idea of like Apple serving as this repository of health, I think will if, if that does kind of come into fruition that will dramatically enhance the standing of the audiologist and the hearing professional in the broader healthcare ecosystem because suddenly a cardiologist now has a vested interest in you because you now are fitting people with a device that's basically a heart rate monitor and so they're gonna say, well, traditionally I fit people with like you know your chest heart thermo or a heart rate um device uh, or maybe you know a, a different like fDA cleared wearable or something like that. But I think into the future, if you have like an EKG monitor built into a hearing aid, which is very feasible, um, you'll have this option, I think, where, you know, maybe it's like, I might be a good candidate for this because I have hearing loss. And oh, by the way, I need to be wearing an EKG monitor on me at all times per my cardiologist. So there's a number of different reasons why I actually am really optimistic about this profession, because I think ultimately it boils down to like, again, it's your ears and your sense of sound. um, It's much broader than just, you know, basically your sense of sound. It's, it's, it is this portal into your brain and your, you know, that your sense of hearing is just as much about your brain as it is about anything else. And I, and so I think that that's a big reason why. The professional, I think, will be in high demand. And again, these two things can sit alongside each other. You can hold these two thoughts in conjunction where, yeah, there's going to be a big portion of the market that will never see those people because they'll be all do-it-yourself. But you're going to see a lot of people, I think, that will opt to have kind of that coach, if you will, throughout their life.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Those soft skills, the guidance, and just the human to human connection, and also the accountability factor, I think is big for people. That's why I like your trainer example. Also, like a therapist, like you can text with some bot who knows all the statistically right responses, but it's just not quite the same as like having a real therapist who you have a relationship with.
1: So I. I- I listened to your episode, your last episode, I was doing a little research before we talked and you were talking about this. You were talking about like the future proofing, um, jobs. And, and, and you mentioned that you talked about the soft skills and I totally agree. I think that the, the audiologists and the hearing professionals are a great example of that, because again, you're right. There are probably going to be things like automated solutions that exist that will steer you toward whatever thing that you need, but a lot of people just want to talk through it with somebody. They want that
0: counseling especially baby boomers it's like i saw some funny tweet that's like it's amazing to me how magical baby boomers think phones are like any problem (laughs) just call them on the phone just give them a call (laughs) so it's like i think for that reason you're totally spot on now i think it's going to be quite different when millennials are in their 70s and 80s because we don't like to talk on the phone as much yeah another really
1: interesting thing that apple just did was with the most recent wwdc They had this whole thing around health sharing. And the first thing that popped out of my mind is that's going to be really big for caregivers. That's going to be really big for the people that have to take care of an older adult that they're not living with. Being able to have access in in a line of sight into what the hell is going on with them remotely is going to be very, very powerful.
0: Oh, totally.
1: Okay. So, wait, let me now bring this whole thing full circle now because you had yeah. asked earlier, you said, um, What about third parties? Okay. So, a perfect example of this Starkey has, so Starkey's a hearing aid manufacturer. So, their hearing aids, they have this app um, and it's called the Thrive app. And I just think it's really representative of what's to come where they have this portion in it called Thrive Care. And so, um, it's built for caregivers. And the whole thing is like the hearing aid data, it shows you um, the different acoustical settings that it's been through that day, which basically tells you, have you left the house? It shows you the amount of time that you've spent conversing because it's picking up another voice. Um, So again, we talk about sensors and a lot of people, the first thing they think of are you know, like um, these biometric sensors that capture your heart rate and stuff like that. It goes way, way beyond that. It's microphones, it's all kinds of different things where you can glean insight from it. And so this is a great example of like, okay, so kind of like follow this trajectory for a little bit to where, you know, okay, so Apple creates this platform, which you can share this kind of data But Apple doesn't really have a device that populates that data. So what device populates it? For that particular use case, it's a hearing aid. And so that's why I think that what Apple will really ultimately do is they're going to open themselves up to the third-party devices because they're new inputs of data that you can then feed into the repository, and then you can safely and securely share that. And so that's where like health sharing you know, who knows, two to three years from now, we might see this really open up into something where you can share all kinds of different information. And so, you know, uh, rather than it be done in a third party app, that might be Apple's bigger play is to enable all to of be the platform. exactly to be the platform for the third party p- providers so that they're not a monopoly in all this. They're more of an enabler in in the middle piece that sits in between you and whoever you're trying to share that information with.
0: And just to finish out the worst case scenario, what's the worst case scenario from a regulatory perspective?
1: Mm, That's a good question. Is it over-regulation
0: are you more worried about or or under-regulation? I
1: mean, I know some people... Some people would say that under regulation is a little bit worrisome, especially as it comes, uh, you know, pertains to like these OTC sort of over the counter um, online fly by night companies that are, they don't have the patient's interest in mind and they're selling devices that are downright dangerous. They're amplifying at levels that are just going to actually make things worse. Um, so there is definitely, I think, uh, an argument that under regulation could present a problem. Personally, I think that the key to, to, The future of hearing health is online telehealth remote services. And so you could totally see there being some ridiculous red tape that's around licensure. You know, before the pandemic, there were all kinds of licensure laws around if you were my patient in California and I'm in Missouri, I can't actually do anything like monetarily compensation uh, between us because you're not in the same state as me. And so like one of the most exciting things, again, with the pandemic is that it, they reduced all of that because they're like, oh God, we need, we totally need there to be way more of an emphasis on telehealth when people can't come into the clinic. And so I hope that they keep these rules. I hope they just keep them removed. I mean, I don't really see any reason why you as yeah. a patient- I mean, when everything happens
0: online, it's ridiculous to constrain it by state exactly. boundaries- Exactly. Especially because one of our biggest advantages as a U.S. is we have all of these states. Like we should all work together to totally. improve health. Well, let's turn to the best case scenario. Best case
1: scenario. Yeah, I mean, I guess best case would be that uh, you know we come up with the biological or the the robotic solution, like we talked about, that just straight up cures it at the the root. Um, but I would say that. My big hope over the next 10 years, call it, is that what we see is uh, stigma completely fall by the wayside and it just becomes cool to wear things in and around your ears. Like, I really do think we're moving in that direction. Um, Perfect example are these new Signia hearing aids that look like earbuds. And Phonak has a pair of these too. So these are hearing aid companies and they've recently released hearing aids that look just like earbuds. And this is what I've been kind of referring to as like the hearing aid hearable convergence is that at a certain point it will be, because I think that what we're going to then see is we're going to actually see some company that has this vested interest in you wearing a device for an extended period of time like literally like maybe a Spotify where they're like, we want you to be able to be able to access podcasts at all times throughout the day and not feel socially like, um, you know, like you're being a jerk, basically. You know, you're wearing these things and people feel like they can't talk to you. So they come out with a form factor. They create their own hardware that looks like a hearing aid, that looks like a receiver in the canal hearing aid that's just like that, you know. So, right. and, uh, and again, that, that might not be a good uh, example, but that's where I mean is that, I think, it, I think we will see a consumer technology company introduce a form factor that looks like a hearing aid, which then presents this whole like sort of weird paradox, which is are you wearing earbuds or are you wearing hearing aids? Mm-hmm.
0: The hearing aid, hearable, AirPod, singularity. Exactly. The singularity. Ray <laughs> Kurzweil is
1: going to be heading that company. And so we're, we'll have, but that's what I think is, I think that's going to be really exciting is that it will, people will stop. Um being like weirded out by wearing hearing aids. Cause I just think that they'll ultimately become something that's just sort of like glasses. I think glasses are the best analogy to it. Um, and, and the other big thing is I just think that the affordability and the accessibility of all these new solutions that are coming on board. I mean, I can't overemphasize how big of a deal it is that Apple is, they're getting into the zeitgeist of like, you know, testing your hearing and being able to upload an audiogram and, you know, configuring your AirPods in such a way that's tied to that audiogram. And, you know, you have Qualcomm with everything that they're doing where they're baking this functionality into the chips. I mean, the the end result of that is you're going to have like tens of millions of people here in the next year or two that will be exposed to this for the first time. Best case optimistic scenario is just that we suddenly see this paltry level of hearing aid adoption that we've seen for years and years and years, finally see a seismic uptick um, largely heralded in by a lot of these new consumer tech oriented products that will do nothing but steer people toward the higher degrees of sophistication of solutions because they're realizing, okay, this is great. I love it. I need something a little bit more. I mean, that's the big bull argument for any of these companies that are playing in this space is like, That's what Apple does, in my opinion, is they really are, they are a uh, blue whale that is like plopping into this pool and the tide just going way up because many people now are like, oh, I had absolutely no idea until I was made aware that this feature exists that I'm able to turn on to these AirPods Pro that I, I didn't buy these AirPods Pro for that feature, but given the fact that I'm able to just go in and quickly turn that on, bam, there I am. And now I know. And now I know what the world sounds like again when I have, like, I can hear the birds chirping again. You know, I can hear, like, my granddaughter's voice sounds a whole lot better than I thought. You know, it's like those little things are so profound for people, and you give them a taste of that, and they realize, okay, this is a a problem. That's really what the big thing here is
0: all about. Well, let's bring it home with the Most Likely Scenario. Most Likely Scenario.
1: I think that we're seeing the table being set right now and I think that we're one to two steps away from people having a full blown hearing aid and I'm using quotes you combine with everything that's happening to we I didn't even talk about a lot of what's going on with like Facebook, Google, you know, some of these different companies that are throwing tons of AI behind this problem there's a really really interesting company called whisper.ai that's just come into the space that's a group of former Facebook engineers that they, they're they just throwing machine learning at this thing. And what that means is one of the biggest problems historically has been speech and noise. You know, that's like one of the most mm. challenging things is like, I can hear fine in a quiet situation, but put me in a noisy bar and I can't hear worth a shit. And so what I think that we're going to see is a multitude of like kind of like these introductory solutions start to come on and become widely available and not only become available, but become popular, become things that like people really start to talk about that. I think the baby boomers are going to gravitate toward that big time. I think that they are. I think that baby boomers are already very tech inclined. They really do like tech a lot. So I think that situational amplification and augmentation will be the big kind of catalyst to just a much, much broader level of awareness. And then that will cascade into, you know, people moving in different directions toward some people will want, you know, I want something that is killer for the workplace. I want something that is, you know, highly conducive to being able to podcast all day and being able to do all these different things with just a smidge of augmentation.
0: Well, I notice. I mean, machine learning you brought up, which is such a big component of this, And I recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and there was a lot of wind in the background because I recorded that one outside and there was no good way to remove the wind from the audio. I tried all the various hacks, but the fact is, if you have garbage in, you get garbage out with audio with today's current technology. But it seems to me like once we get to the point where I could immediately take any song and make it an instrumental by removing the vocals or take any podcast audio, remove the wind, at that same time, you'd be able to fully transform digital sound to help people with hearing loss. And so I think that to me does seem like something that's likely to happen in the next 10 years, just full digital capabilities to transform speech, whether it's for people with regular hearing or hearing loss.
1: Well, so, um, You know, so it's gonna be companies too that come out of like left field, like a company like Nvidia will come out of nowhere Mm. and they will be a big deal because what they're gonna do is they're gonna basically introduce a chip. They've already had they already have this. So it's not like I'm like just like pulling this, you know, out of thin air, but um it's gonna be something like that where you're gonna see Wind is such an interesting example. And I, I think this is interesting that you mentioned this because I, I, I actually met one of the guys at at Whisper and he was saying that, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, because one of the big things they're trying to solve is speech and noise. And, you know, this idea of isolating background noise and being able to filter it out. And because of the pandemic, they were limited with the amount of different data that they were able to capture. But the one kind of data that they were able to capture was people on walks. And so they took a whole lot of that and they've done a really good job with starting to like kind of solve this wind problem, you know? And so, and, th- and that's why I mentioned like NVIDIA is where you could totally see it being like things that are these companies that are much more rooted around AI and the ability to um, identify and then isolate certain sounds and then like basically mute them. Uh, there was a company called Doppler Labs back in the day and mm-hmm. they, they've since gone uh, bankrupt, but their here one product, that was their first hearable. And I remember reading this wired article about the Hear Two, which was going to be their next one. And they were basically talking about this where they would be able to, I uh, basically isolate a baby crying, an ambulance, all these different things. And you would be able over time to like mute certain noises. It would actually be able to like pick those noises up and and you'd be able to mute them. And so that's totally on the horizon. I think of being able to really um, take your ambient noise environment and, and it's your uh, physical acoustic environment, but it's also your digital acoustic environment um, and be able to, become like the master of it. Like you really will be able to, I think, control it in so many different ways. And again, like that's, again, that ties into everything I was saying about like the optimistic viewpoint is you have to just look at like the sheer trajectory that this, all this technology is on, you know, from Moore's law to all of these other, you know, sort of like um, derivatives. It's, we're just moving in this direction where there's so much technology that can be packed into a small little device and it can like, do all of these crazy things it's crazy yeah,
0: it's amazing i mean even just that we can communicate instantly with anyone around the globe like that alone is so amazing and then you layer the other capabilities on top of it and you just get this future where it's like why would you need to go to all these other planets or <laughs> solar systems like i can just transport myself i can like oh let me tune into what's going on on mars right now on the mars colony and let me perfect it for my own well, personal hearing if there are UFOs. Then, oh, let me just switch and listen to a podcast and oh someone just walked in let me hear them and muffle out that baby Seriously. that's on the bus and
1: i mean if there are ufos if these are real then they're likely probably probes right because wouldn't it follow that same thought process <laughs> like why would a, why would you go if you could just see it in full fidelity <laughs>
0: Well, I that's for another episode. Year. And I, I am going to address that once the report comes out. So <laughs> I'm looking I'll forward be to, one it. to stay tuned for. Um, but, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such an awesome conversation. Absolutely. So much fun. Um, do you have any final thoughts for listeners, final words of advice, and and where can people find you? So, if you want to learn more about all this or you're interested, you can always
1: follow me, my big platform that I hang out on is twitter um so at oak tree underscore dave i'm also um, with my podcast future ear radio and then my blog future ear so any of those check them out if this is of interest to you i'm always down to connect have these kinds of chats um i really like this one too because we went a lot more far-ranging and
0: you're an interesting dude i, I really talk enjoy talking to what has thank happened. you man what well, thanks again happened. dave and thank you to everyone for listening habit. Past the
1: present, ends the future.